Welcome to the Alien Pro Podcast. For the first time in American history, the U.S. government has officially and publicly acknowledged it's investigating mysterious UFOs. It's about time, because this is a matter of national security. Senator Marco Rubio is among those who've echoed that concern. Today with me is Deb. How's it going, Deb? It's going good, Doug. How was your week, Deb? It's an interesting week. You know, it's yeah. getting ready for Christmas, doing some baking today, did some grocery shopping, you know, the glamorous life that I lead. We dedicated some food. No, we didn't dedicate some we food. Donated we donated some food. <laughs> we dedicated these, this food to these people. We have a cute so, little box in the neighborhood where people can come and get food. So we try to try to put something in there once in a while since, you know, we have more than enough food for us. <laughs> So the translation is, we want to know who or what's flying around us, and if they come in peace. We're going to break down the uh, June of, that lovely June of 2021 report for you. It's a little dry, but hang in there. It's uh, the preliminary assessment of unidentified aerial phenomena. Say that Ooh, six times. Ooh, that's... Yeah. Look, it comes with a nice seal, though. There's I know. a pretty seal next to it. Can I copy this and it? use it on some letterhead? Okay, so uh, who is it's that? It's only then? a federal offense. Go ahead. It's the Office of the Director of National Intelligence. I could, I could rock that. Uh-huh. While this might seem like exactly what needs to happen in light of Congress members publicly demanding the Pentagon fess up with what it knows, and this, this is their constituents. This really isn't them. Hey, I want to know. This is their people telling them, hey, we're tired. We want to know what's happening with this. Some actually see it as a bad thing that will only cloak in more secrecy. Do you know that secret? Secrecy. That's our government. The the document basically states um, preliminary assessment of the uh, UAP phenomenon. It was 25 June of 2021. The preliminary report was provided by the Office of the Director of National Intelligence, ODNI. Odney. In this acronym, is that acronym? In response to the provision of Senate Report 116-233. Now, you are, you are familiar with that report, right? I've loved that report. It's one of my favorite reports. You've read it much cover better, to cover? Much better than 244. <laughs> Accompanying the Intelligence Authorization Act, IAA, for fiscal year 2021, that the DNI, in consultation with the Secretary of Defense, is to submit an intelligence assessment of the threat posed by the unidentified aerial phenomena, as we will report as UAPs throughout the report. And the progress the Department of Defense UAP Task Force, UPEP, has made in understanding this threat. The report... Provides an overview for policymakers of the challenges associated with characterizing the potential threat posed by UAPs, while also providing, and this is typical government stuff, they will bombard you with so much verbiage mm-hmm. that by the time you get through, which is what I, what I read in June, which I was all pissed off about, sitting back by the pool because I said, yay, they released it, and uh-huh. people all over the place were sending me this, they released it, they released it. So we're going to kind of go through it a you little mean bit. You both, mean both words that weren't redacted? Yes. Yeah, the two words that weren't redacted on the whole report. 
Uh, characterizing the potential threat posed by UV while also providing a means to develop the relevant processes, policies, technologies, and training for the U.S. military and other U.S. governments. Did you know U.S. government was actually as a U.S. USG. personnel? And if when they encounter, they encounter UAP, so as to enhance the intelligent community's ability to understand the threat. That's a lot of words in one sentence. This is a lot of words. The director is the UAPTF is the accountable official for ensuring the timely collection and consolidation of data on UAP. Oh, there's a job I wouldn't want. The now you are in the government. I am in the government, and so, I understand how we gather data and compile it into big giant wads and then fling it out at people saying, here, you wanted it? When you, in, as a government employee, when you have things such as this, and we'll later on, we'll make a list of all of the government entities that are involved in this kind of reporting, does it become confusing i mean because or do any is interagency interagency oh when you're inter dealing with other agencies yeah is there communication issues is there is everything really cut and dried and everything organized and get together oh no there's there's no sharing of information so you know you're doing things one way while the other departments are kind of doing their there's and there's no major database that would say i'm investigating this and i'm looking into this matter and there's a sister agency over here that may be doing the exact same thing there's no, usually there's not. There there are, we have some joint task force where we join. We've got some joint task force that have like five different agencies that all investigate as a team. But for the most part, um, knowledge sharing isn't, isn't that great for the government. And I'm sure it's no better with this level of government. The director, UAPTF, is the accountable official for ensuring the timely collection and consolidation of data on UAP. The data set described in this report is currently limited primarily to U.S. government um, reporting of incidents occurring from November 2004 to March 2021. You know, because why look for anything before that? Because nothing happened, right? right? No, everything happened before that, and everything's ongoing. Data continues to be collected and analyzed. ODNI prepared the report for the Congressional Intelligence and Armed Services Committee the UAPTF and the ODNI. I can't believe why people get confused about these well, things. Oh no, it, look at the rest of them. The National Intelligence Manager for Aviation, and this is going to be to my point that I mentioned a minute ago, which drafted the support with input from, and everybody ready, get your pencils, USD, DIA, FBI, NRO, NGA, NSA, Air Force, Army, Navy, Navy ONI, DARPA, FAA, NOAA, NGA, ODNI, NIM, Emerging, and Disrupt, and not to mention Disruptive Technology, and ODN National Counterintelligence and Security Center, and ODNI National Intelligence Council. Have the Boy Scouts also, you know, I didn't, they they're, weren't mentioned. They're busy. They're a little busy they're, right now. Yeah. You probably don't want them. Yeah, they probably... There's commercials about them right now. Anyway, let's, yeah, we won't talk about no, that. Let's not get involved. I was a, well, I was a Cub Scout. I wouldn't get to the Boy Scout. So anyway, too many governmental agencies involved, and I think. You think? But that's just me. So here we go. What do you think? So 
we're saying various forms of sensors reg register UAP and they generally operate correctly and capture enough real data to allow initial assessments, but some UAP may be attributable to sensor anomalies. In an unclassified executive summary, the limited amount of high quality reporting on unidentified aerial phenomenon hampers our ability to draw firm conclusions about the nature or intent of UAP. The Unidentified Aerial Phenomena Task Force, I want to join that, you that would be fun. UAPTEF considered a range of information on UAP described in the U.S. military and intelligence community reporting, but because the reporting lacked sufficient specificity, that's a hard mm. word for me, ultimately recognized that a unique tailored reporting process was required to provide sufficient data for analysis of UAP events. So in other words, we have information coming in in all different ways and and nobody quite knows nobody organizing to... it into one good report because we got yeah. here we got here we got here and that's something i've always said but now they put it into it's funny because they put it in a report and it's like nobody's been able to figure out that yeah it's probably not the best way to go about you know getting this resolved as a result the uaptf concentrated its review on reports that occurred like I said, between 2004 and 2021, the majority of which are a result of the new tailored process to better capture UAP events through formalized reporting. Most of the UAP reported probably do represent physical objects, given that a majority of UAP were registered across multiple sensors to include radar, infrared, electro-optical, weapon seekers, and visual observation. In a limited number of incidents, UAP reportedly appeared to exhibit unusual flight characteristics. These observations could be the result of sensor errors, spoofing, or observer misrepresentation or misperception, and require additional rigorous analysis. There are probably multiple types of UAP requiring different explanations based on the range of appearance and behaviors described in the available reporting. Our analysis of the data supports the construct that if and when individual UAP incidents are resolved, they will fall into one of five potential explanatory categories. Airborne clutter, we have a lot of that, you know. Natural atmospheric phenomena, USG or US industry developmental programs. Foreign, oh, I'm sorry. That's very vague. Well, hopefully they'll help, help clear it up for okay. us. Foreign adversary systems and a catch-all other bin. Well, we got to have other. that bin. The other, yeah. Yeah, that bin. That's the bin of all the stuff we don't know what is, and those are the things. Because really, twenty percent. They've as we go through. Bill and I have gone through the reporting. About twenty-two percent of all reports are their mysteries. We don't know what they are. We're those are the ones that are probably we think are real UAPs. So is this reporting? by the military to to this committee yes this would be individual citizens reporting this well they report to the entities and the, the, the entities okay. some of these are pilots and, and you'll see as we go through it some of them are pilots air traffic control other so, they do get reported to f all those in all those places outside of that we don't know Okay. You know, there there is a there, and I'll we'll name it. I think further on the report, it names okay. what we're using now for uh, 
the average citizen to report that. Okay. So, airborne clutter, atmosphere, natural atmospheric phenomena, USD or U.S. industry developmental programs, foreign adversary systems. Now, is this you know the we say the Russians? I mean, we don't you know we don't think it's anybody another country. But you never, I mean, I suppose it could be, but that would be, we would be, that would be kind of scary. Uh, well, hopefully our military can recognize if it's another country um, threatening us, as opposed to just something unknown. If it's something man-made and explainable, and yeah. then it's something that they definitely need to react to. If it's just these blips or something that, you know, really can't be explained then you're right those would be the ones that probably are really something for the most part it's some kind of man-made or weather you know this weather phenomenon that you know obviously our weather is not what it used to be things are changing the public's of the opinion that we have which means nothing almost uh we have aliens you know, and we have bodies. We have I don't know if right. we have any live aliens, but we have bodies. We have we have you know, the Bob Lazar. You and I have listened mm -hmm. to the Joe Rogan Bob Lazar, which was phenomenal, um, a phenomenal report um, by Lazar. And you know, we th we think. I mean, we I think I don't know. I've never seen it, so I just think I think that might be true that we've had them. That we've had space. We have spacecraft in our in our possession that uh, throughout the years i mean one of them lazar reports that they some farmer or something was digging in his field and right. this thing was buried for eons just crashed there and buried i mean we, we th it's there are many are of the opinion that these things have been here for just many 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 years so yeah, the other UAP clearly pose a safety and flight. It's a safety and flight issue. You know, the pilots are concerned. These things are flying right off their, you know, okay. they're flying close in close proximity to passenger aircraft, military right. aircraft, which could be a security concern. That kind of thing may pose a challenge to U.S. national security. Safety concerns primarily center on aviators contending with an increasingly cluttered air domain. UAP would also represent a national security challenge if they are foreign adversary collection platforms or provide evidence a potential adversary has developed either a breakthrough or disruptive technology. Yeah, foreign UAP, like we just said, mm -hmm. kind of scary. Consistent consolidation of reports from across the federal government, standardized reporting, increased collection and analysis, and a streamlined process for screening all such reports against a broad range of relevant USG data will allow for a more sophisticated analysis of UAP that is likely to deepen our understanding. Some of these steps are resource intensive and require additional investment. Yes, I think it would. That sounds, I mean, just like you've got to have this room full of people and there has to be some training. There has to be, you know, somebody has to develop the screening procedure. I mean, I've been in a place, you know, we've had to learn how to screen complaints from consumers. How huge is this compared to yeah. that? Um, Definitely. Unclassified available reporting is largely inconclusive, limited, unclassified available reporting Largely inconclusive, limited data. That's just a, like a, that's leaves, just like the title. Okay, leaves there. most UAP unexplained. Well, yeah, because, um, I mean, we just don't know what we're, 
examining, right? And that's the crux of what Bill and I have been saying. I mean, we've been chasing these things in 2014. You know, we had, you know, one of our, you know, fastest aircraft be able to track this. You've seen the Tic Tac mm -hmm. video. I've made you watch yes. it, you know, time and again. And, <laughs> you know, they've captured these things on the gun, you know, on the gun targeting systems, basically. So they're be able to evaluate how fast they are. And, um, yeah, it's they're there. We just can't. According to the government, we haven't. No, we don't have anything. We don't have any proof. We don't have anything that helps us understand what's going on with this. Does this sound similar to what, you know, you encounter in, you no, know? My, my world of complaints are so very cut and dried. <laughs> Somebody did something wrong. Um, it says no standardized reporting mechanism existed until the Navy established one in March of 2019. The Air Force then adopted that mechanism in November of 2020, but it remains limited to USG reporting. The UAPTF, the task force, rarely heard anecdotally during its research about other observations that occurred but which were never captured in formal or informal reporting by those observers. After carefully considering this information, the task force focused on reports that involved UAP, which was, were largely witnessed firsthand by military aviators and that were collected from sister, systems that we consi considered to be reliable. Okay, that makes sense. That, that was one of my questions is where are we getting this yeah. data that somebody going to, you know, because if you just got, you know, Henry out in the field going, I saw something, how do we even yeah. analyze that we can't analyze what he saw if there's nothing you know if we i guess we need our radar system we need our pilots who actually recorded who saw who understand i can look at these videos and not understanding flight it's like well yeah it's just a thing moving around but a pilot can look at it and say no nothing that is man-made can maneuver in the way that this yeah. thing is functioning Knowing that you've seen the Tic Tac Yes, video. I've seen you've the seen, you know, I've seen I've, all I've the videos. I've seen all the videos. <laughs> so many so videos. So many videos that we've, they evaluate that we look at. Is it of, cons I mean, I have to ask because people, you know, there's certain people think, what, there's nothing. But obviously there's not nothing. There's something. So does it, does it have any level of concern by you that, this they're is just, happening that they're just going to come out of the sky and well no not what they're going to do but they're there and it, are they going to do something i mean you know you we've all seen independence day well, <laughs> well, we just we just watched a whole new show oh, we haven't finished that show on um apple tv the invasion the invasion that was yeah. pretty good and yep. you know i mean obviously that's what you know fictional stories all over these guys want to come out of the sky and take us over they never tell us why. Do you think Hollywood's priming us or is being instructed to so prime maybe, us for because more and more of this is coming out? So maybe Harvey Weinstein is a Oh, we don't alien. want to talk about Harvey. Yeah, maybe he might he's, be. He's was. an alien and <laughs> Harvey he's, was. <laughs> he's trying to prepare us. It could be. Um, but I don't know. I was just curious, you know. But I mean, we're we're out there searching for things all the time. I mean, it's just human nature. I'm sure it's every being's nature to be curious about what may be out there. Yeah. So, I mean, the fact that they're coming and looking at us, but they don't tend to spend a lot of time interacting with us. I mean, those poor guys that, you know, at Roswell that crashed, you know, bad move. Yeah. You know, we don't know of any of that we've gone anywhere and crashed and, you know, 
caused any kind of if there's little humans in a freezer somewhere on some other planet. Yeah. But you know, who knows who knows why they're coming to look at us, but it seems like if they've been coming here since the forties and they haven't attacked yet, eh. Well, there's that and there's there's other people that think that these things may have come from have been here for right. thousands of years and what they're doing is they're you know, they're keeping track of our nuclear weapon systems and things. Assessing the enemy. So they don't, they've been here, they're underground, possibly, I mean, there's whole other shows that we've done on underground uh, extraterrestrial activity, alleged, and that kind of thing. But it's, um, we don't know. Well, we um, used nuclear weapons and they didn't come. Well, they've de- there's, there's thoughts that... Um, They've deactivated. They try one was lifted off, and it was it was actually not. It didn't care. It didn't carry the whole nuclear warhead in it. It was a um, a version of that that wouldn't really go off. Mm-hmm. They were testing the rocket, mm-hmm. and the thing deactivated. The thing actually, there's footage of this thing shooting a beam at this rocket. Mm-hmm. And uh, we don't know, you know. What's shooting a beam at the this rocket? This UFO is shooting a beam at the rocket, deactivating the rocket, subsequently um, exploded. Okay. But, you know, there's it's a story. Okay. You know, like a lot of these stories that we can't put... I want to put my hand on a piece of UFO. Right. The UFO, I just watched uh, Ancient Aliens. And uh, we got George, I think it's Giorgio, the guy with the hair, our guy right here. And... Uh, the late then the I forget the name of the lady. There's a lady that's on our favorite show, Skinwalker Ranch, and she's on all. She's on Ancient Aliens, and she's on everything. And um, I think she's basically a History Channel scientist of some kind. And she found, and she got from a uh, UFO kind of prospector that went through Roswell with a metal detector and found this exotic material that they've analyzed and figured out that it's a layered composition that mm-hmm. probably couldn't be or you know from the earth so these reports describe incidents that occurred between again 2004 and 2021 with the majority coming in the last two years as a new reporting mechanism became better known to the military aviation community we were able to identify one reported uap with high confidence in that case we identified the object as a large deflating balloon and this kind of Max of Rose, Roseville. Roseville. Roswell. <laughs> the others remain unexplained. 144 reports originated from USG sources. Of these, 80 reports involved observation with multiple sensors. Most reports described UAP as objects that interrupted pre-planned training or other military activity. UAP collection challenges sociological stigmas and sensor limitations remain. Obstacles to collecting data on UAP. Although, some technical challenges such as how to appropriately filter out radar clutter to ensure safety of flight for military and civilian aircraft are long-standing in the aviation community, while others are unique to the UAP problem set. Narratives from aviators in the operational community and analysts from the military and IC Describe disparagement associated with observing UAP. Some of this is hard to read. Reporting it or attempting to discuss it with colleagues. 
Although the effects of these stigmas have lessened as senior members of the scientific policy, military, and intelligence communities engage on the topic seriously in public, reputational risk may keep many observers silent, complicating scientific pursuit of the topic. Yeah, nobody wants to be called the loon. Well, nobody wants to be called a crackpot, absolutely. But, it, I mean, I think we're, t we're tearing that label off. Well, you know, Joe Rogan believes in aliens now. Yeah. So, you know, you got Joe. I mean, I, well, Joe is the man, Joe, obviously. When Joe says something, yeah. you know. Joe's the man. People but, I mean, to... he, he interviewed Lazar, but he didn't necessarily, I mean, he said it was, it was compelling and he. Oh, he's all in now. Yeah. I mean, it's, but I mean, does he know something, you know. You know that Lazar told you. You imagine, you know, you would be in heaven if you got bombed oh, Lazar yeah. to yourself for an hour. Oh. Because, you know, once oh. they got off the mic, you know, there's so much more to talk about. Yeah. There's so much that he would have to say that, you know. Yeah. It's, yeah. And I'm, I'm on the fence with Lazar because, of, you know, things have come to light that he was, Lazar had, he was at Area 51 really only two weeks. That's mm -hmm. the base stuff he provided. Oh, wow. Um, Another thing is that he was uh, radiation. We're, we're the, I mean, it's one of the theories we have is that he wasn't actually the guy, the reverse engineering guy. He was a guy that tested rooms for radiation and kind of observed things and kind of put this oh, okay. into a story that he you put mean together. You he inflated for his. I'm not his saying role? I like Lazar and I like. Whoever does that. I like Lazar and I like the story. He never changes, he's awesome. Um, and you know, he's pretty much the government, it's him versus the government. And he kind of, you know, they, you know, cause they don't want to do anything crazy because he's, he's public now. So who knows what the real thing is with him. The sensors mounted on us military platforms are typically designed to fulfill specific missions. As a result, these sensors are not generally suited for, uh, identifying UAP. Well then let's put up some sensors that are. Yeah, and that's there's the Galileo project that's coming. That's one thing. Well, the, the government's putting together a project that we'll we'll finish with um, okay. a new government project. But and that's always the thing. Well, why we're the, we're a superpower. We're a world power. Can we not figure out? I mean, are we trying? What are we trying to do? Do we want to shoot one down? Do we want to? What are we trying to do? Just where I did. What do we want? What's the goal? What's the well, you know, what, hopefully first just to prove they're out there and not to you know, gather them up and kill them. And that's what Einstein said. He yeah. said, don't. He says, don't. He <laughs> He's like, Einstein is, and we did the show on Einstein and, the, uh, and his, his um, assistant. And that was a great show, the one, um, everybody. That show is awesome because Einstein and his assistant actually saw uh, spacecraft, wrecked spacecraft, and nine aliens. One alien was alive um, that they went and actually visited. And that, that's a really compelling... The nine alien, the spacecraft, um, the way they describe the damage on the craft is really compelling and kind of something that Bill and I are using as more or less a baseline for um, further uh, research and um, observations that we see. But the sensor vantage points and the numbers of sensors concurrently observing an object play substantial roles in distinguishing UAP from known objects and determining whether UAP demonstrates breakthrough aerospace capabilities. BACs. 
<laughs> yeah. Optical synth. They don't say that. No. I'm going to say it. I'm going to put it out there. The BAC. Breakthrough on aerospace capability. Optical sensors have the benefit of providing some insight into relative size, shape, and structure. Radio frequency sensors provide more accurate velocity and range information. So here, in uh, the fifth unclassified. Some potential patterns do emerge, although there was wide variability in the reports and the data set is currently too limited to allow for detailed trend or pattern analysis. There was some clustering of UAP observations regarding shape, size, and particularly propulsion. UAP sightings also tended to cluster around U.S. training and testing grounds but we assess that this may result from collection bias as a result of focused attention, greater numbers of latest generation sensors operating in those areas, unit expectations, and guidance to report anomalies. So the fact that we're actually looking for it, have the sensors to find it, and people looking for it makes for more. That makes sense. Yeah. And a handful Shocking. of and a handful of UAP appear to demonstrate advanced technology in 18 incidents. Described in 21 reports, observers reported unusual UAP movement patterns or flight characteristics. Some UAP appeared to remain stationary in winds aloft, move against the wind, maneuver abruptly, or move at considerable speed without discernible means of propulsion. In a small number of cases, military aircraft systems processed radio frequency energy associated with UAP sightings. The task force holds a small amount of data that appear to show UAP demonstrating acceleration or degree of signature management. I guess that would be like shape-shifting. Yeah. One, on at least one of the incidents that, I mean, there's been more than one. They actually, they're one shape and then they actually, they're like a typical flying saucer and then they actually stretch themselves into a very thin oh, wow. saucer shape um, while they're being observed. So it's... Kind of to make themselves less vulnerable Yeah, I don't know. Radar, could, be a radar, could be a radar signature thing like the stealth, like, mm -hmm. like we use on our stealth fighters and things. Additional rigorous analysis are necessary by multiple teams or groups of technical experts to determine the nature and validity of these data. We're Sorry, could you... We are conducting further analysis to determine if breakthrough technologies were demonstrated. The UAP probably lack a single explanation. The UAP documented in this limited data set demonstrate an array of aerial behaviors, reinforcing the possibility there are multiple types of UAP requiring different explanations. Our analysis of the data supports the construct that if and when individual UAP incidents are resolved, they will fall into one of five potential explanatory categories. Airborne clutter, natural atmospheric phenomena, USG or industry developmental programs, foreign adversary systems, and the other catch-all bin. The old catch-all bin, with the exceptions of one instance where reported with high confidence that the UAP was airborne clutter and that, that balloon again. I mean, they keep, it's like they keep doing the same thing all over, talking about the same The damn balloon. <laughs> Specifically, deflate. We currently lack sufficient information in our data set to 
attribute incidents to specific explanations, airborne clutter, and such as airborne clutter. These objects include birds, balloons, recreational unmanned aerial vehicles, UAVs, which are government, I assume they're not mean, just your dated, your garden variety drum, or airborne debris like plastic bags that muddle us. Is this a thing? Plastic bags yeah, that muddle a scene? in the atmosphere, right? Yeah, I mean, they could, I mean, potentially if you get one of our 53-gallon garbage bags mm -hmm. that, you know, Max tears out of the garbage can and then there's a big wind and it blows, it up, blows in the it up into the atmosphere. I guess that could be, I guess that, I guess that could happen. <coughs> they model a scene and affect an operator's ability to identify true targets such as enemy aircraft. Natural atmospheric phenomena. Natural atmospheric phenomena includes ice crystals, moisture, and thermal fluctuations that may register on some infrared and DATAR systems. USD or industry development programs. Some UAP observations could be attributable to developments and classified programs by US entities. Unable to confirm, however, that these systems accounted for any of the UAP reports we collected. Foreign adversary systems. Some UAP may be technologies deployed by China, Russia, Russia another nation, or a non-governmental entity. Interesting. Although most of the UAP described in our data set probably remain unidentified due to limited data or challenges to collection processing or analysis. We may require additional scientific knowledge to successfully collect on, analyze, and characterize some of them. We've grouped such objects in this category pending scientific advances that allowed us to better understand them. We just don't have the tech. I mean, this is something we discuss all the time. We don't, what, we don't have the technology. You know, it's, it, it, it's, it's, with everything that's going on now in the world, I just can't believe that we can put something together that can just, you know, track this thing. They say they see it at radar. Oh, it's not on radar. Well, can it be handed off radar here, mm -hmm. here? Generally speaking, that's what happens to in the FAA or the tracking systems, the radar. Right. Um, it gets handed off. Mm -hmm. you know, oh, it came here, it's handed off. We could track it to wherever it's going to be. I don't know if this thing... Okay, so where did it end up? Right. Where did it go? The task force tends to focus additional analysis um, on the small number of cases where UAP appear to display unusual flight characteristics or signature uh, management. UAP pose a hazard safety to safety of flight and could pose a broader danger if some instances represent sophisticated collection against U.S. military activities by a foreign government or demonstrate a breakthrough aerospace technology by a potential adversary. 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 Yep. Gosh, dang it, I thought I was going to get that one. <laughs> you, almost. You almost nailed it. Um, ongoing aerospace concerns are when aviators encounter safety hazards. They are required to port these concerns. Um, back in the day, airline pilots would be the last thing they would do right. is report a UFO. If you want to get your flight status pulled, yep. that's one of the best ways to do it. Um, yeah, so depending on the location, volume, and behavior of hazards during incursions on ranges, pilots may cease their tests and or training and land their aircraft, which has been a deterrent. So what happened was, basically, they would see something, 
and they would just let they could get out of the air. We don't want this thing to be doing it now. They're changing their attitude. They said, "Well, let's go after this thing. Let's see some gun gun camera footage. Let's report some of its, uh, you know, aeronautical characteristics. Let's do something. Right. You know, it's, it's going to get this thing, you know, nailed down if we can." The task force has eleven reports of documented instances in which pilots reported near misses with the UAP. Potential national security challenges are. Um, we currently lack data to in indicate any UAP are part of a foreign collection program or indicative of a major technological advancement by a potential adversary. We continue to monitor for evidence of such programs given the counterintelligence challenge they pose, particularly as some UAP have been detected near military facilities or by aircraft carrying the USG's most advanced sensor systems. Most advanced, which isn't advanced enough. Apparently. Obviously not. Explain UAP require analytic collection and resource investment. Standardize the reporting, consolidate the data, and deepen the analysis in line with the provisions of Senate report, the one you know. 116-233. Accompanying the IAA for fiscal year 2021. It's amazing. These, it's, put this thing in as wordy as you can. Mm -hmm. So people just get distant, you know, so it seems like something, but it's really nothing. It's just a lot of words. The UAP, the task force long-term goal is to widen the scope of the work to include UAP events documented by a broader swath of USD personnel and technical systems in its analysis. As the data set increases, the task force ability to employ data and analytics to detect trends will also improve. Well, they better get their tech better if they're <laughs> going to do that. The technical focus will be to employ artificial intelligence machine learning algorithms to cluster and recognize similarities and patterns in features of the data points. As the database accumulates information from known aerial objects such as weather balloons, high altitude or super pressure balloons, and wildlife, because there's always that goose. Good old wildlife. Machine learning can add efficiency and pre-assessing UAP reports to see if those reports match similar events already in the database. And one of the things is you know, we should, we need to be able to, you know, see what these, we should have the tech to be able to see this. And we just, we just don't, I mean, this is, this report is basically saying we don't have the means to figure out what these things are. So at least not, they're going to tell us about, yeah. um, the task force has begun to develop interagency analytical and processing workflows to ensure both collection and analysis will be in well-informed and coordinated. So I've done that. I've been that interagency yeah. you know where you you know you're going to report this way and you're going to report this way and then my little person is going to take all those reports and put a, you know decide how them. we're going to do it yeah it's fun um getting data out of people is the best it's the <laughs> easiest thing in the world yeah, not <laughs> the, <laughs> i don't know how many nights i spent on the phone please send me your report and no, then I'd get something, I can't read this. Oh, well, we did ours in a different format. Yeah, um, I can't imagine this is much different. Probably not. The way know. it's happening with the task force. You send out an Excel spreadsheet and ask them to put words in it, and you get, get it back in Word, in hieroglyphics. Um, the majority of the UAP data is from the U.S. Navy reporting, but efforts are underway 
to standardize incident reportings across U.S. military services and other government agencies to ensure all relevant data is captured with respect to particular incidents and any U.S. activities that might be relative, relevant. The task force is currently working to acquire additional reporting, including from the Air Force, and has begun receiving data from the Federal Aviation Administration. Although the USA Air Force data collection has been limited historically, the Air Force has begun a six-month pilot program in November of 2020 to collect in the most likely areas to encounter UAP and is evaluating how to normalize future collection reporting and analysis across the entire Air Force. So they're going to get this right. Well, it occurs to me that, I mean, they want to use this artificial intelligence to evaluate past radar observation, recorded radar observation, because everything's recorded. I'm, I'm assuming, I, right. I've never, I assume it's recorded so you can play back stuff. You don't just, oh, it's just on the screen, that's it. I can't imagine it's like that. It's probably right. recorded and stored. So and it's see. probably stored for a long time. So whenever we need an algorithm that can assess any radar, since we can see it on radar sometimes, anything that's got it on there and evaluate any radar that's stored, if it can go through and, you know, take a look at these things and find out, you know, what, how one relates to another or where this thing ends as it, as we bring it from one um, section of uh, observation to another. Now the FAA captures all data related to UAP. That's interesting. I didn't know that. I don't know how they were cap maybe like I just discussed. During the normal course of managing air traffic operations, the FAA generally ingests this data when pilots and other airspace users report unusual or unexpected events to the FAA's air traffic organization. In addition, the FAA continuously monitors its systems for anomalies generating additional information that may be of use to the task force. The FAA is able to isolate data of interest to the task force and make it available. The FAA has a robust and effective outreach program that can help the task force reach members of the aviation community to highlight the importance of reporting the UAP. But I'm just not sold into like what so they're not they're they're getting, they're getting nothing on their screens. They're taking actual verbal reports from pilots who saw something that concerned them, and then they're somehow and then they're giving it to someone, some right. other organization. They're somehow yeah. Well, they're giving it to the task force. But but now what? Now what so happens to all of it? Who's going? Okay, so what are we doing? What are we doing with this information? They're well, but they have a new outreach program that'll get more reporting. They're not telling you what they're going to do with it once it's reporting, but they are getting a task force to encourage pilots to report. I just think, you know, this is going to be more Roswell stuff. I mean, it's going to be, they're going to find out. If they do find out anything, are they going to... They're not going to... People, I mean, well, all the UFO enthusiasts, I should say, um, are thinking that once... The new there is a new task force that we'll mention at the end um, that's coming on board. It doesn't seem like this has really done anything for us. Mm -hmm. It really just thinks that this is just muddying the water. It's just like they're trying to muddy the water. It's like, you know, when you have employees that, you know, you try to tell them what to do and they give you this rhetoric all back and try to, you know, change things around, move things from one. Right. And you have to, like, sniff through that. Okay. And you have to sit them down and go, okay, now, this is what we really need. 
No, they're, you know. they have a, well, I mean, when you get any government organization and you get a whole lot of people involved, you've got egos and different mindsets. And I mean, it's going to, it'll be years before they even decide what a report looks like, yeah. you know, and then to, I mean, not to mention what, what are we going to do with that report? So, so, um, to expand the collection, um, the task force is looking for novel ways to increase collection of UAP cluster areas when U.S. forces are not present as a way to baseline standard UAP activity and mitigate the collection bias in the data set. So, see, they're just, you know. <laughs> what are they doing? What are they doing? They're, what are they doing, Deb? They want to collect more. <laughs> they're That's just what collecting. I get. That's what I get. They doing want to collect more. Um, one proposal is to use advanced algorithms, oh, I love an algorithm, to search historical data captured and and stored by radar. Oh, yay. So there you go. There's that, that stored radar stuff. The task force also plans to update its current interagency collection strategy to or in order to bring <laughs> to bear relevant collection platforms and methods from the DOD and the IC. Increase investment in research and development. Um the, U the task force has indicated that additional funding for research and development could further future further the future. Oh, don't put those words together for me. <laughs> further the future. Further the future. <laughs> study of the topics laid out in this report. Well, you'll get you'll get something in the further future, but for, it's yeah. not now. Such investment should be guided by a UAP collection strategy. See, we gotta we gotta form a task force. We gotta you know devise a strategy. We gotta collect data. I. I was an analyst. I remember the analytical process. You gotta, you know, collate, investigate. We always, you know, steps added a lot of things to that. But we gotta make it really wordy, so it seems like you're doing something. Yeah. When I, there's there's all kinds of kits, and, and you gotta co investigate, collate. I don't know. We we added fornicate, but I don't think that's supposed to be in there. Work. Yeah. Well, when, it was part of our investigative process. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, strategy and R&D, uh, technical roadmap, and UAP program planning. I don't know if we can get through that. That's so, in definition of key terms, the report and the task force databases are use the following defining terms. UAP, unidentified aerial phenomena, air, which is aerial, unidentified aerial phenomena, airborne objects not immediately identifiable. Uh, not immediately identifiable. Yeah, but see, that's a lot of syllables right in one little thing there. The acronym UAP represents the broadcast category of airborne objects reviewed for analysis. In the UAP event, this is a holistic description of an occurrence during which a pilot or air crew witnessed or detected a UAP. A UAP incident is a specific part of the event. <laughs> the UAP Report is or documentation of a U is documentation of a UAP event to include verified chains of custody and basic information such as such as the time, the date, the location, and description of the UAP. UAP reports include Range Fowler One reports and other reporting. U.S. Navy aviators define a Range Fowler as an activity or object. That interrupts pre-planned training mission, a pre-planned training mission. So, the positive thing we can say is that the government now says that it has established a procedure for reporting these sighting to military officials. See, 
got a procedure, maybe a complaint form. Yeah, we, complaint should, form. we should help collect better data to study such objects in the future. So we have, you know, we know what we want to see. For now, though, leaving so much unanswered will surely fuel greater speculation, especially since part of the report still remains classified. Well, the DOD notes the move comes under direct orders and coordination with top intelligence officials. <gasps> Those top well, now we're saved. Now we're saved. While pointing out this is the direct result of the DNI report. Of DNI, that's in... That's do not inventory. Yeah, no, I, that's not do not yeah, I think that would be. <laughs> I think that would be something about naval intelligence, but you know. Which turned out to be a big, well, nothing. Nothing. Our government was unable to properly identify or explain in the things we just talked about over the past <laughs> several minutes. 143 of 144 flying objects had been witnessed or documented since 2004. The Defense Department says the new agency is being formed to improve a system that's clearly flawed. Clearly. Well, I'm glad they've identified that. Yeah, we know we what, have problems. Whatever we're doing, it ain't working. Now the Department of Defense launches a new UFO task force to investigate phenomena. This seems to be a strong arm movement by the Pentagon to control the UFO research and hard work experts have put in over the years. Yeah, some Dr. Bill and I have been unraveling over the past months via the the 19 history since 1947 uncle sam wants to wrangle in the ufo phenomenon that's clearly starting to go mainstream well it's more and more people are getting interested i mean you, you can see when i'm out and it's like there was a time in my life that i wouldn't wear a t-shirt with a ufo on it yeah. because well or bigfoot <laughs> or <laughs> Or any of those crazy things. Thanks to you, Deb, I get a lot of those shirts. Any of those crazy <laughs> things you believe in. Because, you know, you don't want to be, especially being in management, you don't want to be leveled somebody that might not be, might be unstable. No. <laughs> but now it's, it is mainstream. I mean, people are interested in it, like we observed uh, when we, we were out a couple weeks ago and, you know, someone commented on the shirt. That's how I kind of break the ice. Because I want to know what people are thinking out there. And um, we were at a craft show. And because um, that's what we do, yes. um, the uh, there was a couple there selling some things, and the lady was uh, had the Bigfoot shirt on. And the lady was a huge, she was huge. She believes in Bigfoot. I said, "Oh, you believe in Bigfoot?" And she goes, "Yeah, I, I believe there's something out there." Um, we won't launch into the Bigfoot no, let's not thing right now, but she says, "But my husband's seen a UFO, and it, it turned out that, and I should have recorded this. I got you know." Um, he had seen a UFO, and I've, I've reported this in an earlier episode, in an earlier episode, that he saw a UFO in the 60s back in an area where I lived, back down in the San Francisco Bay Area. And um, he and a friend saw a UFO in, in um, San Francisco, at, at the San Francisco Bay. It looked like a, looked like a, you know, a standard Tic Tac type object, I think he said. So... Tic Tac isn't new. I mean, it's, um, but he said it was something old. It was similar to a Tic Tac, but it wasn't quite. You know, it didn't sound like what we've seen on the gun camera footage. But he and his friend agreed that they will not discuss this with anyone because they don't want to be labeled nuts. So nowadays it's kind of different. I talk about it at work 
I hand out mouse pads. <laughs> they know what I do. Everybody knows. And uh, everybody knows what Doug does. So, and they're doing it by launch that is mainstream. And they're doing it by launching a whole new team specifically designated to dig in. Or we should say probe deeper. Probe deeper. That's good. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> so the U.S. Department of Defense announced it's starting a task force called, are you ready? Oh, God. Get ready. The Airborne Object Identification and Management Synchronization Group. Okay, now this is my problem, Deb. This is is my problem with this. I'd rather see Sagmoy. Sagmoy? Yeah. Because Sagmoy is a lot easier. See, when you have these long acronyms. So that would be the Synchronition Airborne Group Management Object Identification. That doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Oh, you can't be in charge of this, Doug. But I like Sagmoy so much better. Oh, well. Anyway, to look into what several people claim they've seen in the skies dating back decades, not decades. just. Now we're actually going to go back and revisit all of these things, that, including what Bill and I have talked about. But I don't know how many times we need to. Oh, so this new unit is going to replace. Yes, it's replacing the, the uh, task force. Which just got created last year. Well, it's. It take it's a shorter time than the government usually takes. That's all I gotta tell you. It's like the Pentagon wants to broaden the scope. Well, and then you know Galileo, which is a Harvard, 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 Harvard. Uh, project, and it's got Elizondo in it, which lacks you know, um, you know, lacks legitimacy, I should okay. say. I had it stuck. It was in. It got stuck in your brain. The new unit is going to replace the Navy's task force, which we we got created last year, like you said, got yeah. created last year. In a press release, the DOD says the purpose of this new group will be to detect, identify, and attribute objects of interest in special use airspace, which is military. I'm assuming they mean military. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, it's... So that's where we are today. I well, mean, it's um, it's really unknown how much information will be released to the public. Right. Well. Are we doomed to having the future repeat itself by throwing up the secret yellow flag? I'll say yellow flag. Like uh, NASCAR. Uh-huh. Actually, it'd be a black flag. Yeah. When the government is pressed for what the results are? I mean, is this, I mean, are they just going to investigate like Blue, you know, Blue Book? I mean, that didn't really come to light. Um some of it came to light back in publications and in reading over the years, but are we just going to get the same old? Yeah, it's, see, well, we're not really. No, there's nothing there. There's nothing there. But balloons. we know something's there. It's balloons. Anyway, that's it. So we're going to go to Sag. We're not going to go to Sagmoy. We're going to in the in future episodes we'll uh, talk more about the AOIMSG. The, I would call it the synchronization group. Synchronization group. <laughs> That's insane. You don't want to go the O-I-M-S-G. A-O-I-M-S-G. 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 No. So we're going to wrap this one up. Thanks, Deb. Appreciate Thank it. Can I go make cookies now? You want to, What kind of cookies are you going to make? We're making pumpkin cookies. Awesome. Thanks for listening to the latest episode of the Alien Probe Podcast. We welcome comments, questions, or requests to alienprobepodcast at gmail.com. Visit us at Facebook at alienprobe.net. 
Twitter at Alien Probe Pod, and I'm gonna uh, have you go, go ahead and get a call out to our advertiser before we knock it out. Where? What am I? You'll go ahead and read anything that's in yellow. I in yellow. There you go. At Orion BCS, their goal is to find the best program and rates available for your business. Their team has years of experience helping clients find lower rates for processing credit cards. They understand that every business is different, so let them spend the time to find out what suits your business best. So visit orionbcs.com and let them begin the process towards saving you money to help you realize your financial goals. Once again, visit orionbcs.com and contact them today. All programs of Orion BCS are subject to terms and conditions. Visit orionbcs.com for more details. You have to read that last part really fast. I've never heard this part. <laughs> <laughs> so nobody can understand what you're saying. Thanks, Orion. Sorry we, laid, we waited so late in the broadcast there, but uh, we'll get you in. Thanks. Uh, Dr. Bill will be back with us uh, uh, mid-January, we think. He's working on some projects. He's called Snippets. You'll still be hearing from Bill. Um, he's going to put together some shorts about 10 minutes long that uh dr bill's been doing some research we look forward to listening to that thanks to our senior producer robert anthony and thanks for listening we'll see you next time